Hey loves, I'm Marley Liss, and welcome to the Sensual Revolution. This is a global movement to reclaim sensual empowerment on an embodied and systemic level. My personal path of sensuality has not been easy. Shame around my body image, sexual abuse, and my queerness had me dissociated and numbed the heck out. It's been a big journey to get to where I am today, but I really have turned my pain to purpose. Along the way, I've learned our personal healing makes epic waves in this world. This podcast is here to remind you that your healing is selfless. When you learn to shed shame, love your body, and claim your worth, you pave the way for all people to do the same. Here, you can expect to hear from sexual educators and healers who work at the embodied level of sensual empowerment, as well as policymakers and justice leaders who work at the systemic level. It's all connected. So whether you're at the very beginning of your own sensual healing journey, or you're a sex-positive advocate and superstar, this community welcomes you. Let's come together and revolutionize this planet one loving, sensual step at a time. Welcome back to another episode of The Sensual Revolution. We have a really, really, really special episode today. The guest is my mom, also known as Barbie Litz. Um, She's amazing. And the conversation that we have is so powerful. Not only do we talk about the work she's doing around anti-anti-aging, which challenges ageism and inspires women to reclaim the power of our years, but she also gets into some beautiful conversation around what it means to be someone who is supporting someone else. Of course, she's the main person who really, really, really deeply was there for me and supported me um, after sexual assault. And we kind of shared in this feminist awakening at that time. So you'll hear about that journey, about the validity of secondary trauma, the importance of taking care of ourselves, especially when we're supporting others. And you'll also hear about what it was like for her to sit in a eight hour circle with me, her daughter and the man who raped me. So what a unique and powerful perspective that is. We also laugh a lot. We talk about sex positivity within families and um, it's just amazing. Like this is such a gorgeous, gorgeous conversation. And I'm so excited to share this with you and to also share this window into our relationship with you because it's really special. So check it out. I also want to say that the Essential Wholeness Academy, my signature coaching program, which is an eight-month program to shed shame around sensuality and sexuality and claim full empowerment and embodied self-love while connecting with women from all over the world, this is opening for enrollment right the heck now. So I'm really excited about it. Go to my website, marleyliss.com slash SWA and look it up. You'll find tons of details on that page and the early bird rate, which is $500 off is running right now. It will not happen again for a long, long time. So now's your moment. Check it out. Message me if you have any questions and let's get into this beautiful conversation. I'm so excited. We have a super, super special guest, a long requested 
guest with us today. Um, this is my mom, also known as Barbie. Mom, you can go ahead. I'm going to call her mom throughout the podcast, but you can call her Barbie or maybe you can call her mom too. Um, so, so, so glad you're here. Do you want to start by just saying hi and letting us know like who you are in this chapter of your life? Mm, yes. First off, hi. Yes, I'm Barbie and and or mom, whatever you feel comfortable with. And I'm so excited about doing this with you today. I really am on so many levels. So yes, thank you. Who am I in this chapter of my life? I am someone who turned 60 this past summer and I am walking into those years with a very new um, life and a new perspective. And I am excited about what's to come for me. I am forever always mom first and that's my favorite role and that continues um, an empty nester now except for right now because I have you home for a bit but yeah that's me right now I'm embodying all that everything has walked me to for my sixth decade amazing mm -hmm. and I just want to say like I feel so blessed that we can do this kind of thing together I know that it's really rare and special what our relationship is. And we share all the time. Like if you follow me on Instagram, you definitely see us dancing around and collaborating. We've led retreats together before. We owned a nonprofit together for a while. So it's just a really special relationship and it means so much to have you on and to share. And I know that the listeners love it as well. Um, yeah, we hope that our relationship can can bring like healing and inspiration and, and joy into your life as well. And if it also brings up like jealousy or anger or whatever it does, like mm -hmm. that's okay too. We see you, we love you. Um, so badass mama who just turned <laughs> 60, um, tell us a little bit about the work you're doing right now. We'll dive into it more later, but just give us a little window. Yeah, beautiful. I have an amazing business coach that I've been working with. I can't see. Oh, yeah, right. She pointed at Marley. <laughs> yes, I've been working with Marley as a business coach as well as as a mom, and um, she has truly helped me ground into my niche. So I am the anti anti aging coach, and I think my whole journey has walked me right here as a a reclamation for older women and our society that really casts cast our elders aside and a, a reclamation of that wise woman archetype that we miss and need to reclaim amazing yeah it's so important um ageism is so real in our culture and we're gonna dive way deeper into that throughout this conversation as well as the intersection between sensuality and ageism and that's something we'll get into in a bit but First, I would love if you could share more with us about your personal journey and what led you to this work of healing, of being a coach, of being so passionate about feminism and ageism and things like this. And of course, I know that your journey is woven into my journey in its own unique way. Um, also acknowledging that some people have never heard that heard about that um it's been really cool for us as a mother daughter to learn our own boundaries and also what feels really good around the way that we share and just like owning that we have our own unique story and we also have this like 
interwoven story. So tell us a bit in whatever way feels good for you about what led you to this work on a personal level. Yes, thank you. And all the things that you said, as I'm super grateful for all that we've cultivated in our relationship and what we share forward as mother and daughter. And much of that has come from um, the journey that we've taken the past number of years. So yeah, my own journey in that, um, I'd say my own healing journey really began the summer that you were raped. And there's, I always say three pieces to that story. There's yours, there's mine, and there's ours. I'm going to just focus on mine right <laughs> now. Um, the rest is not for right now. But um, my own journey in that took me to a place of really like, how are we living in a society that allows rape culture to exist? And, and how did we get there? And, and that's where I sat in my darkest moments. And then climbing out, I went through a process of really diving into that, like understanding society and, and how we got there and societal conditioning that took us there. And then from there, I went into generational healing and what took us to that place and, and history and women's history and what took women to be where we are today, what brought the patriarchy, all of that was just snowballing over the years into um, working with women to reclaim their voice and their power and feeling into societal conditioning that women have always absorbed. It really walked me into a, the anti-aging message that we've been given. And I guess knowing that 60 was coming over the past year, I felt a lot into that and just the acceptance of so many things in our lives that we've been offered without question and the whole anti-aging message, feeling deeper into the impact of that message and not just the words that it is, but mm -hmm. the impact that it's had on my own generation and then rippling down to your generation. So all of that from from that summer of 2016 right through I think was just walking me straight to here mm -hmm. yeah thank you for sharing that um I would love to hear more about your perspective around being the supporter of a survivor I know we've talked about this like there are so many people who don't consider secondary trauma which is the people who are impacted by trauma beyond the direct victim. So in this case, like I experienced sexual assault, but there are ripples of that, which is called secondary trauma. So of course, like beyond what I even know, you had a whole journey with that. So tell us a bit about like, what was it like to be this, the key, the main supporter of a survivor, which I'm so blessed to have. And what do you have to say about like secondary trauma and anyone who might be like, oh, I've never thought about that before, or even like I felt guilty for having my own journey around that? Yeah, thank you. It's super important because like you said, secondary trauma is not, it's a very unseen and unhonored trauma and and you do feel guilt in it and you do feel that you don't have a place to be having a journey because it's not your you're not the primary person traumatized but witnessing your child survive through trauma is traumatic and and for my own journey i 
you know, I tried Googling what to do when your daughter's been raped and it would say, you know, take your daughter wherever or, or the mom of a survivor and it would say, take your daughter wherever. And there was nothing for me and I was coming apart that, that you were going through, what you were going through was ripping my soul. But I had to, I had to be the supporter. So anybody who is finding themselves in a space of being the support for somebody else, you also require support because it can't happen in the space where you're supporting because they need you. So I needed to find my support outside so that I could hold you up and hold myself up mm -hmm. at the same time. And if you, and you know, there was guilt, there was, you know, people would say, you know, how's Marley doing? And a hundred percent, that should be the first question. Absolutely. But very seldom did anybody say, how are you? Okay, we had a little intermission because someone was vacuuming in the hallway, did a little outfit change. Um, so we're talking about some important shit that the world needs to hear. Really important. I want to say too, like this thing you're talking about of supporting the supporter, that's true for all of yeah. us, no matter what our circumstance is. Like we, my mom and I, like we are both coaches. And it's so important for us to receive support, to be helped in order to best help the people around us. And so whether you're a mom supporting a child who's been through sexual assault or you're a person going around the world, like trying to be there for the people you love, it's so important that you're always being both helper and helped. Um, another thing I want to say about that too is what you were saying about people saying, you know, how is Marley? And like you said, you're like, I get that, which I appreciate. Like, I appreciate that. And I remember when I worked for the National Eating Disorder Helpline, they would always remind us the person you're helping is the person on the phone. So, so often it was a parent, a friend, a teacher. And our first job was to say, how are you? Yeah. How are you okay? So I love that point. Yeah, it's so important. And I, like you said, as anybody, because I've had in my work, I've had people reach out that are supporting and not just survivors, like moms of kids with depression and moms of kids with eating disorders and moms of, there's support needed for the mom too. And it's not like we aren't given that manual. You know, when you become a mom, you don't know how to do that. So <laughs> it's self-learning, it's, it's self-teaching. It's so important. And I love that, that you asked about you first. I remember the first time um, that I recalled somebody asking me, how, how are you? I actually started crying. Mm -hmm. It was like, it was, yeah, it was yeah. so heartfelt to me that somebody noticed that I was having a journey. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Like to anyone listening to this right now, who might be saying like, X, Y, Z situation is not about me. This is your permission, like full permission to have an emotional process. Yeah. Like you're a human. If you're listening to this, you're probably a human. Um, you're allowed to have an emotional process. And I totally, really deeply appreciate mm -hmm. the way that you embody boundaries with that and said, yeah, I'm not going to go to Marley for support around this. Yeah. Like, yeah, thank you for doing that. Like that was important. And at the same time saying, I am allowed to fall apart though, and I deserve space to do that. And I know that that 
allowed you to show up for me. So lesson to us all, like, so grateful for you taking care of yourself and the ripples of that. Yes, thank you. It was a, a hard lesson learned. And I'll say this to any mom who might be listening, because intuitively, instinctively, rather, we want to fix it. Mm-hmm. Right? I wanted to scoop you up, hold you and make it all better. And clearly, I couldn't do that. And f- that in itself is like a seed of trauma for a mother, right? Mm-hmm. So a whole process in learning how to navigate the path of healing, taking care of myself so that I, I mean, if I fell apart and fell, who's supporting now, right? So, you know, to be able to show up for you in the way that you needed me to meant that I had to get support somewhere else so that I had somewhere to fall apart too and refill myself. Mm-hmm. So lesson to all of us mm-hmm. healing is selfless yeah like I'm so done with this yeah. this woman especially woman this narrative of like healing is selfish selfish I shouldn't be focusing on myself and this is such a testament to the fact that focusing on yourself allows you yeah. to show up for the people around you I would love to hear a little bit before we dive into um all the epicness that you're doing now um, let's talk about the good old time that me, you, and my rapist sat in a healing circle. <laughs> good old um, time. <laughs> I don't think yeah. that's a question that's maybe any like what a what a question to be able to ask mm-hmm. my mom. And for anyone who hasn't heard that story before, like my personal sexual assault case, I fought for that to conclude with restorative justice. Listen to the first episode of this podcast if you don't know more about that. Um, But it resulted in, instead of going to criminal trial, my assailant went to therapy and then we eventually met in this circle that lasted eight hours. So me, my mom, my sister, my assailant, his friend, like two mediators, lawyer, whatever, whatever, um, sat in this circle. So that is a really big and unique experience. So I'd love to just hear a bit about like, what was that like for you? And what were some major takeaways from that experience? Yeah, oh, such a big question. Um, (laughs) I think it's important to note that this was already three years Mm post-rape. So we had, I had done much healing. Um, I had really climbed out of my hole, but you know, we were so, I think that's important to note. And I think my initial, I think you and I had our own little group the night before just permission giving to speak freely because I was advised to speak Mm -hmm. from a place of I, Mm -hmm. and until then I had felt worried to do that in order to protect you. So I think we had our own little circle the night before as a permission giver. So walking in that day, I think my initial feel when we all walked in the room was I well, I thought I was going to throw up, to be honest. Mm-hmm. I thought like seeing him standing there in his suit and being a person, <laughs> I just, I wanted to throw up and I felt yeah. very lightheaded and queasy. And it was grateful that the chairs were already set up for us to sit in. And my first thought was I was disappointed in this. They had a scene plan and I, I wanted to sit beside you. And I realized in hindsight, the way they set it up, that it was very smart to have someone between us because Mm -hmm. if we had spoken back to back, it would have been just a lot. Yeah. (laughs) So um, for me, the circle was an opportunity to soul vomit. Mm -hmm. I like, 
I had a chance to get out everything that that needed to get out that was sitting in my body and even though it was still in there and I and to ask him questions that I wanted to ask him for three years like how how dare you how could you ask <laughs> questions and to receive answers to see his face remorseful with tears looking down looking at me when you spoke and looking like all of it was so he took accountability he you know he apologized and for me on a personal level it was extremely permission giving I think I lived my entire life to that point being told that I was naive and soft and I didn't understand because I because I work with love and compassion and I heal through heart and I've been told forever by everybody that I'm naive and I don't understand and this circle was validating proof that healing can happen through love and compassion mm -hmm. and that something shifted in my being that day yes. and I knew that this was bigger than just me. So powerful. Ooh. Ooh. So powerful, right? Like what yeah. a what a unique conversation to be able to have. And I remember all of us leaving the room that day after that eight hours and saying, like, wow, we need to share this. Yeah. We need to be loud about this. And just like personal journey in hindsight, all the stuff people don't see behind the scenes, like us working through fear around sharing this, us working through reading hundreds of comments on articles about this and like me having breakdowns around that. Like there's so much behind the scenes that that has looked like us doing incredible reclamation work and supporting each other in being empowered enough to be loud and to keep sharing and remembering like anchor in the why why do we want to share this why do we want people to know about it and keep sharing about it again and again and again and honestly when we're anchored in that why it's powerful every time and I know everyone who's listening to that to this like could feel that just now when you were talking could feel the deep um presence with that memory and that experience and what it was for you um, I can very much relate to that, this idea of, of deeming ourselves delusional. I talk about that a lot. Like I deemed myself delusional for even wanting a restorative approach, a circle instead of punishment. And then seeing like, wow, we haven't been wrong to hold to these expectations of love. Yeah. We haven't been wrong. And now we're asking the world to catch up with the epicness of our own hearts instead of saying, oh, I guess we have to shrink into like these mm. shitty, shitty standards. Yeah, I think to learn that everything I've always believed and valued was okay to believe and value in such an extreme moment. So it's really, to me, not arguable out there. Mm -hmm. So anybody who might have called me naive and I'm not understanding prior to that, this is to me the most extreme situation that we made love and compassion be the catalyst for healing. Mm -hmm. So you can no longer argue it <laughs> to me, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. There it is, right? Yeah. It's so powerful. So 
in the way that you told your story, you talked about that, how that experience of like your daughter being raped, like how that kind of sparked this feminist awakening for you. And I, and I do think we really paralleled each other in that for a while. I was definitely already connected to that through social work, but it was like a deep time of questioning where both of us were you know, that thing of like a fish doesn't know that it's in water. Yeah. I think we really had this revelation that um, we didn't know we were in rape culture. We didn't know what that was. And we had no understanding of all the ways that was impacting our thoughts, our feelings, our sense of safety, the way we walk through the world, what we dress, how we like speak up or don't speak up. So there was this really powerful moment of us having that kind of feminist awakening together and this is where I feel ageism comes in because I know for me as I claim feminism and I do my absolute best for that to not just be um privileged like white feminism then we get into the intersectional feminism space and we see wow, this is connected to um, the way that older women are treated, queer women are treated, black women are treated, women with disabilities are treated, indigenous women are treated. And we realize like fat women are treated, like all these different things, we realize that it's all connected. And so it makes so much sense to me that you're in this spot now where you're saying, well, what about women aging? So tell us more about the anti-anti-aging movement and what that means and why it's important. Yeah, thank you. And yes, to all of that again. Um, yeah, I think that in that, in like you're saying with the generations and what we've come to realize that women have experienced forever. Um, I did a lot of work for myself and for my clients on generational wound healing and um, the idea that my own generation, I will, I call us the because I said so generation, we were told because I said so was an answer. Mm -hmm. And we didn't dare question it because, you know, you got punished and it wasn't worth it. So we became, we were literally taught not to question and, and embodied that principle <laughs> all the way through. And now here we are, older women with the societal message of anti-aging um, and we didn't question because we were taught not to and we're just like okay so that's what it is but like feel into that statement in the same way that I you know when through our journey in the early days I would say to people um, think about the statement boys will be boys mm -hmm. a, a statement that we've all heard used heard thought of whatever we're just like oh boys will be boys and we laugh it off like a comment and then you know feeling into rape culture and I thought like what even is that like a blanket permission giver because you have a penis that you just can do whatever you want and like it was a statement that we all just said without thinking without question and I feel like anti-aging is the same idea like we just okay we won't age like mm -hmm. right and and we want to get old we want to live a long life yeah but we don't we don't don't age though mm -hmm. right it's an impossible a impossible Thing to achieve mm -hmm. but we just accepted it because we were taught to accept everything and now we have um a generation a few generations my own and above that are 
so anti-aging, so denying our own space in this circle that that archetype of the wise woman is missing. Mm -hmm. She's missing. And I think that it's rippling all over society and in our own, in my own generation, it's hurting us because we're not stepping into our role in the circle of life in a way that we should be stepping into it. And as a result, our daughters are not being led by empowered example. They're being led by fear and denial. Mm -hmm. So now I've had like 35 year old women reach out to me in a panic right? because they have to have it all done like now mm -hmm. because it's all downhill from there. And then it's rippling outward and, you know, it goes back to the divine feminine too, right? And, that, and the healing we did with the feminine. But it, where I've landed today is, we need to reclaim that wise woman archetype. We need to embody the, the elder woman in society. And that does not mean being washed up, tossed aside and, you know, looking like the old hag with the wart on her nose and whatever. It means being you in your fullest authentic empowerment and embracing that we are the older generation and doing that from such a place of love, being able to step back and witness as your generation claims their seat. I kind of see it like we're all moving over one seat. Yeah. And therefore we can all fully embrace and body and offer each other mm -hmm. wisdom, experience, love, nurturing support that women are are meant to be doing before we were taught to compete with each other mm -hmm. let's bring it back to that sisterhood and that that circle of women where I'm going to proudly take my seat as the elder and and witness you taking your seat you know I, I I've said recently and I'll say again that you're walking into the years of experience that I now wear on my face mm -hmm. and I think there's so much beauty in that and there's so much to offer from both of us mm -hmm. in that space. We love a queen. It's so powerful. I'm like, give her a crown. Oh, thank you. Camera crew. No, there's no camera crew yet. <laughs> um, this reclamation, and I know we can all feel it as you're sharing, is so important. It's so important and it's about every single one of us. So you might be listening to this and you might be like, well, I'm only this year's old. Why do I need to worry about this? Why do I need to think about this? And exactly what my mom is saying is like, this ripples. Um, not only does it affect us as we age because we feel insecure, we feel ugly, we feel irrelevant. But like you were saying, it affects the next generation, whether that's your children or the community around you or just people witnessing you. And as we talk about so much on this podcast, like we're all role models for each other. There's a term Laverne Cox says, we're all possibility models for each other. We show each other what is possible. And I had this experience the other day when you were sharing about how it felt to claim your seat of power as an older woman. And you were sharing about um, going to a friend's wedding and seeing all the younger girls like jumping around and laughing. And you realized how total you were and, and content you were and empowered you were to sit in this seat of being the older person witnessing. And I felt a deep 
relief in that because if my constant messaging is hurry up live your life now you're 26 these are your peak years you're running out of time it's all going to go to shit after you're 35 or whatever if that's my narrative there's a sense of urgency 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 and then there's a sense of expiration whereas the narrative you're offering is enjoy 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 and then when you're here enjoy and then when you're here enjoy Enjoy again yeah Yeah, there's this old saying i well maybe you've heard about going over the hill right Right. that our early as i see it as like a trilogy right there's this like you're young and you're striving to be older because when you're little you just want to be an adult right Mm -hmm. and then and then you hit the peak of the mountain and suddenly it's this huge drop off it's all down from and the peak is like this tiny little spot where we tater for a minute right So I'm, I'm shifting that vision of the mountain. So we're going to climb it. Mm-hmm. And then when you get to the top, instead of it being a peak and it's downhill, it's a huge fucking gorgeous platform of paradise that yeah. we can like stay in and celebrate and, and be that elder woman from a place of fun and vibrancy and, and, and offer the wisdom that we now can offer forward. And it relieves the pressure off of you guys to have it done by 35 because you know it's not like what is that these are the good old days like if I had good old days and I had some not so good old days and I'm having some good ones now and I'm yeah. having them and you know I see this next chapter for me is filled with possibility and potential and I from 20 to 40 and from 60 to 80 has the same number of years mm-hmm. yeah yeah that's really and it shouldn't be a mind blow but we really have put anything from over 60 is like there's there's your teens and then there's your 20s and then there's your 30s and then there's old uh-huh it's like this idea that these are the years <laughs> that count and right then these ones and then there's don't. old and it's like fuck that they all count yeah and i want to honor you so much for showing us for role modeling for me and the world that you can start anything at any time um, because this anti-anti-aging movement, you just launched it like yeah. two months ago. And yeah, I just know there's so many messaging of like, you have to have it all done. And here you are starting something and feeling empowered in that seat right now. Yeah. And I think that's important on a few levels. I think like I, my own life can show you, like, you can't always plan, right? Mm-hmm. Like, shit happens and I find myself at 60 starting all over again and the journey that I've been on the past number of years through its hardship I'm super grateful for because if this moment in my life had happened 10 years ago I might have curled up and died but today I'm standing here at 60 starting all over going yes it's mine to create it's filled with possibility and potential and like I have my life ahead of me and it's you know I don't have little kids at home and I don't have a partner right now and it's literally mine to create Um, Mm -hmm. You know, again, there's the same number of years from 60 to 80 that are good working years, yeah. right? Like it's not over. Mm-hmm. It's a rebirth. It's a it's a new, a new beginning, you know. It, it's not done. It's yeah. not done. And it doesn't have to be done. So beautiful. So many gems in this. I know that you're sharing so much wisdom with our listeners, and it's amazing. Um, so because this is the sensual revolution, and because we've done so much 
gorgeous work to be able to talk about sexuality and sensuality at the dinner table without it being weird like that's a big deal that's not gonna be I want to acknowledge like that's not gonna be available to or safe for everyone and it's also something that's possible and does exist in our world so I hope that us like role modeling that feels good on some level in that way or expansive or maybe it is possible for you but you've always just been like I can't talk about that with my mom so we're just gonna like embody us doing that a bit like tell us a bit about the intersection between relationship to sensuality sexuality and aging yeah there's actually two pieces I'd love to touch on what you said but yes Mm -hmm. the sensuality I'll say when it's not over it's not over. It might shift post-menopause. We get dry, we have other issues, whatever, but it's all doable. Mm-hmm. It's doable and it's still fun. And it's still, and the truth is you are more at peace with yourself. You're right. more standing in your own confidence and comfort with who you are. So really sexuality um, can be that much more comfortable. Mm-hmm. And you know, that it ties into the next thing that you said that I wanted to touch on and that that we do talk about it. And it's been such a taboo topic for so many years, which is so damaging. Like I was taught growing up that you don't have sex till you're married and then you don't talk about it. And, you know, I remember wearing a low cut shirt once and my mother telling me that I shouldn't let my then boyfriend like see me like that mm-hmm. because, you know, like it was just, you don't talk about it. And we've completely flipped that narrative and I hear my own friends will say things like that like um I don't want to know I don't know the wedding right. night, my kids wedding night I don't want to know and I'm thinking like why not yeah aren't you so happy that your daughter is or son or whatever is like so in love with somebody that they're having so much pleasure and experiencing like why not I'm it's 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 a beautiful expression of self and when you're tapped into that as you teach when you're tapped into your own sensuality you're more in touch with your own power outside Mm -hmm. of your own body too and why would I not want my children to have that yeah right and I think also you and I sharing stories and experience and I won't lie it was weird to talk about it with you at the beginning and I'd say be like do you want to hear this like do you want to you know but the truth is we've we've learned from each other yeah yeah and that's a gift you know my grandmother was in shock when she found out what was going to happen to her on her wedding night right Mm -hmm. you know not prepared I am super grateful that our conversation is so open and it can talk about pleasure and it can talk about like you know even if something's concerning this didn't feel right. Is that okay? What do you think? And we can, you know, there's, there's a healing and there's reclamation and all of that. Yeah. And we can be happy for each other. And, and what I, I've said this before, I'll say it again. Like everything that our culture has deemed taboo, like sexuality, especially are just things that are wrapped in immense shame. So when we begin to unwrap that shame for ourselves, it stops seeming so strange to talk about these things. Like, I don't get that experience anymore of like immense nervous laughter and discomfort if someone brings that up. It's like, if you can talk to me about your deep meditation experience, why can't you talk to me about that? And what I want to say too is don't think we were always like this. Like I did, I was not raised in like, um, 
a super badass sex positive household where we celebrated self-pleasure and exploration like that wasn't my upbringing and and I'll just say this for anyone listening who's like again like it feels like it might be possible for you to be able to talk like this with your parents or family or whatever whoever it is like um the more you normalize this in yourself the more confident you'll feel bringing it up and the more you'll help people around you shed that shame as well. So every time I'm like, no, that's not weird. You're like, oh, okay, cool. And now it's gotten to the point where it feels really natural. And I want to just shout you out as well um, as like an amazing mom of uh, a LGBTQ woman. Mm -hmm. And like, I just came out um, last January and one of my favorite things about the way that you show up is your, first of all, you're accepting, forget about like political correctness and the correct terms and everything. Like your heart of hearts is like, everyone deserves love, period. That I feel foundation for a gorgeous ally. From there, there are like things to learn, terms to learn, stuff like that. But like, that is such a gift in and of itself. And then the other thing is like, you're down to learn, you educate yourself. And then something that is not just about sexuality, but our relationship in general. And this, I say this for anyone who's cultivating like a healthier relationship with whoever, like we ask each other, what would feel supportive right now? What do you need right now? And there's a humility in that that shows that we don't know everything in the world. We don't necessarily know the best thing for the person sitting in front of us right now. Same as you supporting me after sexual assault. That question of what do you need right now is so loving. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for honoring me. <laughs> thank you for being you. And I am also like so grateful for what we share and I think that that lesson of holding space was something I really learned a lot at the beginning of our journey because everything like I said that was instinctive to me knowing who you'd been your whole life and the relationship we had none of it was working mm -hmm. so I had to learn to check in and say to you like what do you need from me right now because I really didn't know and I if I did it wrong it was detrimental so it had to flow differently than what we knew so I really learned a lot a lot a lot that year about conscious communication yeah and asking what you need right now and I think that we together created a gorgeous space for just that mm -hmm. that we continue with today and I think you know like the same as what we said about like boys will be boys and anti-aging and like taking away the shame of sexuality or the shame of aging or the shame of anything mm -hmm. coming out, the shame of anything, would just own it. Yeah. Like Brené Brown will say, like you own it and the shame can't live there. And it's very true. If you talk about it, it can't live there. Sexuality is a, is a pleasure. Mm -hmm. It's pleasure. Right. Think about that. And it's very fundamental word. Like mm -hmm. why do we not wish pleasure for everybody? Yeah. Right. Yeah. If you told me you went for a back massage and you felt pleasure in it, I wouldn't like shut you down and say, oh, you don't want to talk about your back massage. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Why do I not want to talk about how else you got pleasure? Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's pleasure. That's pleasure shame. is a cool thing. Right? Yeah. 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 It's such a powerful thing to reclaim. And it's like 
yeah, why should we have to hide parts of ourselves from each other? And just like, just like awesome moment, like I've been doing way more social media sponsorships and I had like three vibrators <laughs> mailed to me the other day and we were like sitting in the car and I was like testing that like I hadn't used them yet they were fresh out the box so I was like oh what how does this work how does this and I was like holding it on her face as she was driving and she was like oh that's powerful and I was like I really hope people in other cars yeah. are watching this oh, right also now. talked about using them I'm like are you gonna use all three of those or can like I have one of them yeah and I'm gonna give her one who talks about that with their kid right again like my grandmother used to tell me stories of like you know, when she got her period and was hiding under the stairs because she thought she was dying because no one told her about that. And like, you know, I like learning that what sex is from your wedding night, like yeah. really the healing that we can bring each other if we can open that conversation. Right. If mothers can have the conversation with their daughters and, and make it beautiful and not shameful, mm -hmm. you know? This is like, this comes back to the power of reclaiming wisdom in your older years too, because just fact of life you have lived more years than me you have had more not better not worse not deeper not mm -hmm. higher just more experiences than me and so there are things that you can tell me that are like if i had known then what i know now blah 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 blah, blah. and when women in our older years, in their older years, reclaim the power of that wisdom. And that goes for all of us, because I mean, I can go mentor 13 year olds about that. Absolutely. Like, when we reclaim that power, everyone benefits. And like, like you were saying, like, our society is missing that. And I think that's really real. I think we have as younger people, a deep need for older women to share their stories. And I'll say like, when I first got onto this path of knowing the importance of sensual reclamation, like even before rape, like after I was on the ashram or whatever, a big part of that was because I heard so many stories. Like I spent a whole summer with women who were on average 50 years and up who were living on a healing center and sharing about what got them there mm -hmm. and hearing all those stories and that wisdom got me onto that path to say, wow, this matters a lot. So mm. I see people shift when they hear you speak like that, when they're around their elders. And I know you've mm. said that too. Yeah. I know I had a conversation along that same line recently with a young woman who just became a mom for the first time. And she had like concerns and questions and the baby did this. And I was like this, and she was like in a bit of the, you know, and I thought, oh, it's fine. Mm -hmm. Let me tell you, like I've done it three times. I've watched my friends do it. I've done it. This is, you know, my being able to offer my experience having babies was so reassuring and comforting to her, mm -hmm. right? Like that, that sharing of wisdom. And I'll say it goes back and forth. I've said this to you before. Like, I think we hit a point where we're kind of at now where the baton gets passed back and forth for a while because mm -hmm. you've been teaching me so much about technology and mm -hmm. about learning how to run a business inside a computer instead of inside an office. And, um, you know, each generation has experience to bring to the table and the we need to take the shame out of any aspect of that. Yeah. Reclaim the power of that wise woman instead of, you know, you said you could work with a 13 year old and nobody would shame you for being mm -hmm. older. Right. right. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. there shouldn't be shame in it. I read an article the other day about somebody who went to the doctor and 
and older than me, it was like, I guess my parents' generation. And the doctor spoke directly to the child who was around my age, as though the older person would have no ability to understand what the doctor was saying because they're old, right? Like, it's just, it's this cast them aside thing that you're washed up and done. And it's, that shame needs to be removed so we can reclaim, like, everybody's old. You're older than someone. Mm-hmm. You've aged significantly since you were born. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody's shamed you for it. Right? I've said that before about weight too. I'm like, oh my God, I've gained so much weight since I was a baby. And it's like, that's okay. That's my original weight. That was nine pounds. Yeah. So what are some ways that we can reclaim or begin to reclaim our empowerment around aging? Yeah, I think my very first step would be to offer people permission to question things, Mm. especially my own generation. I think your generation does question things. And I think my generation is like a little bit afraid of it, maybe because we were taught all those shoulds and and we're sort of now questioning. So I'm giving permission to question Mm -hmm. things that were shoulds, things that we were told were the way it is and is supposed to be. So that would be step one, question and ask yourself if it if it if it makes sense in your body if it's a full yes in your body and then and then I would say reframe it learn to reframe it give it a a, you know a different message from that same string Mm -hmm. what message does make sense to you what would feel like a full yes in your body and really learn to step into the power of you my generation has a lot of undoing we were taught a lot of things that kept us squished you know we were also the seen and not heard generation so we were we were raised being seen and not heard and really never had training in being heard (laughs) right so like undo unlearn so many messages and offer yourself a reframe question it reframe it give yourself something that does feel better and benefits forward and give yourself permission Mm -hmm. to get older Mm -hmm. it's a gift really it's yeah. a gift. I, I lost my mom at 73. I'm pretty sure she would love to be 85 today. Mm-hmm. Right? It's a gift. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Can you share about the um, anti-anti-aging challenge you created? And mm-hmm. maybe people who are listening right now, like no matter what age you are, can participate in this. Yes. Thank you. I love that. I have, yes, created the hashtag anti-anti-aging. Um, through Instagram so if you want to hop onto your story right now post a picture of yourself and your true radiance like show those wrinkles those smile lines whatever you want to call them show them fully and then tag me it's underscore at Barbie Liss and put the hashtag anti-anti-aging and I want to see this movement like rolling with women reclaiming the power of their whole self the Mm -hmm. power of their wrinkles the power of their smile the beauty of their wrinkles because there's so much beauty in an aging face Mm -hmm. you know we often love it on everybody else but don't want it on ourselves but look at yourself with that same love heck yeah yeah the more we normalize that for each other the more we normalize it in the world and like don't underestimate the power of your instagram story whether you have two followers or five million followers like it really matters um so as we begin to wrap up I just feel called to like I'm sure everyone listening can feel it but like this woman has so much love in her heart and always has um like she 
tears up with everything and we'll say like this is love spilling out of my eyes and I am so blessed that my upbringing included that and that like our home for example was was this reality of like my mom is everyone's mom and if anyone on the planet like needs that motherly love this woman is here for that and I get to share that like I have friends who I'm like call my mom speak to my mom you need some motherly love call my mom like what a gift that is um and I'm so happy because I know you've always had that love pouring through you and now you've claimed it as your purpose in a bigger way and created a life for yourself where you get to have more and more and more receptacles for that love flowing through you so What's the most rewarding part of helping others? Well, can I split that in half? Because that was the most rewarding. Uh. <laughs> and yes, my heart is spilling out my eyes right now. And I'm going to come back to the rewarding for others question and just say like, I am beyond blessed and grateful for what we have and what we share and that we share purpose in our own pathway to it. So Yes, the re- most rewarding piece for me in my work is I love the moment when my clients have that that aha moment where they realize how incredibly beautiful and worthy they are and then life shifts and bringing women together again because like I said before, I think we've been taught to be judgmental and competitive rather than that vision I have of like, a circle of women dancing under the full moon together with like the red tent kind of thing, which is, you know, that's the sisterhood we're meant to have. And we are here for each other on a journey that's bonded for generations of, of history that we've enjoyed together and the reclamation of that and witnessing it for my clients, my age and younger, like just bringing that power of women back together there's an amazing power that runs through women when we're together and I yeah bringing that back is gorgeous this is such a powerful episode and um in a pre-pandemic world like my mom and I were leading retreats together everywhere we will again again. so just an FYI yeah wait for it if you're feeling our energy (laughs) just imagine being on retreat with us it's pretty great yeah it is amazing um so that's almost time tell us tell us about your academy and tell us about how we can connect with you and how anyone who wants to work with you or just like learn more about your work how can they do that yes thank you I have created the anti-anti-aging academy which is a I know right um which is a an online group coaching program that will come with modules that you can do on your own time as well as a weekly zoom gathering circle that we will do together with coaching and workshops and connecting and sharing and it's gorgeous and you can find me through my website which is my name barbielist.com or on instagram like i said before because i'd love you to follow me there and share your hashtag anti-anti-aging with me (laughs) it's um underscore at barbielist through facebook 
I'm, I'm all over the place with my own name. <laughs> Yay! So Marley, that's your best way to find me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I do. I definitely do post a lot of us, especially right now because we're yeah. living together right yeah. now, and we've had this like really beautiful kind of um, like I've been traveling all over the place, and I'm gonna be traveling again soon. And we had this really beautiful period of living together, like literally the dream like we wake up every day we journal and then we share what we journal and then we do pilates together and it's fucking adorable so (laughs) thank you so much for coming on and for sharing i know that so many people are going to be like so moved by this and have just received so much wisdom from what you're sharing and maybe if people had never thought about ageism and messages around that before like this has sparked that kind of awakening for you definitely cannot recommend this woman enough for not just like the love that she gives but this incredible work she's doing um we love you thank you for coming and thank you everyone for listening